I believe that veterans are the key to unlocking America's next golden age. By empowering and influencing one million veterans to transition well and become leaders in their communities, we can unlock our country's destiny and continue to change the world. My name is Bernard Bergen. Matthew Flores is a speaker, trainer, entrepreneur, self-development, and business coach. The co-founder of City Living, a real estate and marketing company, Matthew specializes in selling and negotiation training. Matthew is a full-time entrepreneur and began his career as a real estate professional in 2013. In March of 2016, Matthew made another major decision, starting the City Living real estate and marketing team, selling over $12 million in real estate. Matthew has had several small business ventures from multi-level marketing companies, import, export, and other opportunities. Throughout this, Matthew has become a sales and self-development guru by remaining a student and attending hundreds of conferences and journeying through over 1,000 selling situations and negotiations. Recently, Matthew became an MCNE, Master Certified Negotiation Expert, an accredited course for real estate professionals. A devoted husband and father of three, an active leader in his church community and beyond, it is an honor to have Matthew Flores to share his expertise with the Veterans Leadership Blog community and highlight the rules of engagement. This is the Moneyball question. If you had to convince your 18-year-old self of something that you needed to know at 18, what would it be? And how would you get your 18-year-old self to agree to do it? What I would tell my 18-year-old self is to be you. I think a lot of times people at that age will become something that they're not because of the people they're around. And how would I convince myself to, to believe in it and, and do it is I would show them, I would question myself and say, you know, what do you want to have in the future? Mm-hmm. And then ask myself, is what you're doing right now, if the person you're acting like, is that going to get you to where you want to be in the future? And uh, I thought about that because when I was younger, I did adjust and adopt other people's way of living and thinking instead of just being me. And, w- and when I became me, I saw myself being happier, more successful, and just, mm-hmm. just living a, a fuller life. Wow. Would the 18-year-old you be open to advice or would you be more set on, you know, just continuing the way that you saw the world? I think the 18-year-old me would definitely be open because that's why I was who I was. Because whoever the crowd was that was, was getting the most, I guess, attention, that's what I gravitated to and tried to become those people in that crowd. And if I knew uh, where I wanted to go, then I could find people that think like that, and then I could become the better version of myself. Okay. That makes so much sense and so straightforward. So you would basically say to 18-year-olds out there, and even to your 18-year-old self, that, hey, your friendships are your friendships, but if they're not leading you to who you know you want to become, it's time to find new social circles. Correct. I would agree with that. Okay. All right, question two. I know that you have family who served, you champion our military. What would you say to anyone in the military feeling a bit underappreciated? Well, I want to go back to the Cantus Simmons story where he told his mom that because he's missing three out of the five fingers that 
the glove he was wearing, he wanted to cut it to acknowledge that he was missing those fingers instead of having them flap around when he's performing. And what his mom told him was, you know, focus on what you do have. Don't spend so much time focusing on what you don't have. And I've had family members that have gone down because of their lifestyle that they have to do as, as a service member. And I've just told them to focus on what they do have, their family, the opportunities, and just look at, do what you can to look at the bright side of things. I know it's very hard when you're down, but if you keep that in front of you, then I think that would definitely, I would encourage somebody to think about what they do have, not not focus on what they don't have. Wow. Well said. And you know, I, I just want to expand on that just a bit. We all are under intense pressure. And as a service member, even as a veteran, at times that pressure can kind of make you observe the world like you're the only one experiencing that pressure. But I love what you said, because if we focus on what we do have, you know, we woke up today, you know, we have family, we have a career or we're pursuing a new adventure or a new page in our book of life that can help us get through the moments where we feel a little bit down. Yeah, I would agree. Yes, for real. We got to focus on what we have. Yeah, yeah. All right. Now, you get to pick one word answer. When I say military service or Veterans Day, what would you say? Oh, military service. Grateful. Just grateful for the people who serve, man. You know, I, I volunteered. Even after 9-11, I tried to go back in the military, even though I have a bad eye. And they mm. told me I'd have to get a waiver. But my wife was, you know, I, I also made a decision. I probably could have pursued a waiver and gone back, got into the military. But, you know, my wife was not happy. She was, she didn't want me to do that and leave the family. So I decided not to. Hmm. Yeah, thank, very thankful. Wow. I know that's going to really help many of the listeners who just need to be reminded that we are thankful that you stand in that gap for us in this season of your life. It's very important. And we do thank you. All right. Now, this part's going to be fun for me because I get to learn all about what you do and the rules of engagement to be successful in this arena. So just take some time, tell us about what you do and tell us about the rules of engagement, not just to be successful, but the daily habits and tasks of someone who performs at the level that you do. Well, what it takes, it takes, first of all, it takes belief, belief in yourself that you can go out there and perform. So I have to believe that that what I'm going to do every day is leading to my ultimate goal. But I have to believe that that I can perform it. And how do how do I do that? Well, I make sure that I'm I have a structured I have a structured environment, have a structured calendar, and that allows me to control my environment. It allows me to control as much of the time as I can, as possible, and that's helped me be able to be successful. I, I see a lot of people, especially in the real estate business, that at times without structure, without having an organized calendar or time frame, that they can be led one direction to the next direction. And it takes longer to get to your desired result if you're not following a structured um, schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Structure, be very organized. And I like that you shared this. You said you control what you can control. Can you elaborate on that just a bit more? Because at times, maybe a deal's more pressing, maybe there's a bigger offer on the table. How do you balance that with controlling what you can control? I mean, I guess you gotta see what is it that's distracting you, right? You gotta find out why. And it's interesting, you were, you were saying, you had said something earlier about, you know, what would you tell your younger self? Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things is, 
is a lot of times we get distracted very easily by shiny lights. And so you almost have to remind yourself what it is that you want to get at the end of the day. And if you could create, maybe I like what Eric Thomas says. He says, look at the people that, that you're doing what you're doing for all the time. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you can create a habit of always thinking about that, it'll keep you to go back to your schedule and try to control as much as you can. Because you can get excited by people who have opportunities outside of what you're doing or distractions that may not actually benefit what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, I'm sure you've had opportunities come by or things happen in your life and you have a pretty strict structure that you've mm-hmm. had to uh, make adjustments to, right? But it's just, yeah. you make the adjustments, you go back, you don't keep following that and allow it to take more time away. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And I like the way you broke it down because there are shiny lights in life, but I think at times we miss in the pursuit of opportunity, and I know I did this tons in my life and in my career, that there are people depending on me and staying the course at times, I think all the time actually, is the best way to support the people you deeply care about and the communities that really depend on you. Yeah, I, I agree. You're right. That's another, you know, you think about the people who are, who are counting on you, right? Yeah, yeah. As a leader, if you have an organization, you know, you're not only taking care of your own family, but now your concern is the people who you're leading. You know, I have to make sure that, that they're OK. So this decision, is it going to affect them as well? Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it's something that uh, this journey of personal development is really helping me deepen. Because when you say things like character over reputation, character is staying the course. Character is being true to the North Star in your life, in each moment, in each season. And I think if you chase reputation, it's like that shiny light. You know, it's just like, I wanted to do this, so I did it. I wanted to do that, so I did that. And there's no connected dots of how they all help you transform as a leader and even be successful. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. That's a good way to put it, you know, as far as somebody on their their success journey. Um, And I think it it is really hard to determine whether if you're chasing a reputation and you're violating certain character traits, you may not even be aware of it. Right. Mm. But other people may see it and say, Oh, you know, you know, why are you doing that? Cause this is that. So it's a very, it's very challenging to stay focused. There. Yeah. Question from just your background. Have you ever seen maybe someone shift their re- real estate focus or business portfolio to their detriment or also to just lock in more on a specific part of real estate and that be the key to a different level of success. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're living proof. I myself wanted to do new construction because my business partner was doing it when I first got in real estate and uh, I didn't know anything about it. So you can't go into an industry you know nothing about and expect to have immediate results. There's a learning mm-hmm. curve. So what I did is I just shifted back to what I knew better, which was residential real estate is not uh, as uh, labor intensive as far as the learning curve so that I could grow there. And then what happened was I developed enough experience and learn and, and knowledge to be successful in the residential in that my business partner, he wanted to learn more, more about being effective in the residential real estate. And he said, hey, I'll teach you about new construction so that we mm-hmm. both can learn and grow in those perspective, respective areas. Wow. Wow, wow. And what was the time frame? Was it a longer time frame for you both to level up or just because you were both experts in your lane as you taught each other, it accelerated what you would have to learn if you were doing it on your own? Oh, no, it still took time. 
it still took us about a year to really understand what our roles are and how we're going to make this work. And, and I'm still, I'm not, I haven't been in real estate long enough to say I'm an expert. And I think with real estate, it's always, it's an ever changing market, just like any industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say this, that my past success as a salesperson has allowed me to stay focused, committed, and stay committed to learning, but also be successful from a sales standpoint. There's still a lot of things you learn about um, real estate. And my business partner, he's been in the business for over uh, 12 years. He's more tenured than me, but he's still having to learn how to develop a team, right? Like we both didn't have teams. Mm-hmm. So we're still learning. I mean, it's still learning. And it's a good year just to understand our roles. But once we got through that year, and I'm talking like 365 days, I'm not talking mm-hmm. about 40, 40 weeks, Monday through Friday. I'm talking about 365 days plus of learning every day of how do we run an effective team. And we're starting to learn, but we have a long way before we'll really feel like, okay, we're experts at this, but it's an exciting journey. Yeah. Okay, so you touched on something about building teams. So I'll dive into the next question. What does it mean to you to be a leader and in business and also in your community? Yeah, I think when you become a leader or decide to be a leader, your responsibilities rise. Like, I don't mean responsibilities for others. I mean responsibilities as an individual. Now you're responsible to learn more. You're Mm. responsible to care more. You're responsible to give more. You're responsible to produce more, right? So that's why I think it's very hard for people to make that decision because they don't want that responsibility, right? right? Not only are you in charge of people that you're leading, but you're really responsible of becoming a better version of you. It, It really has nothing to do with the people because if you become a better version of you, they'll automatically see it and they'll start adjusting. Yeah. Wow. Never looked at it like that, but that was well said. Thank you. So- in leadership and in life, when you hit what you would consider stressful situations, how do you typically not just manage them, but walk through them? So what I've learned for me, what I do now is I just stop and I think a little bit about it and say, why is this stressing me out? And I'll ask myself, I'll be analytical about it. What, what, what's the worst that can happen? I mean, Brian Tracy said a long time ago, think whatever you run into a problem, think about what is the worst thing that could happen because of this problem and then work your tail off to make sure that never happens. Mm. So if I know that, then I, and it kind of reduces the stress level. Okay, what's the worst that could happen here? Okay, well, just work hard to not let that happen. So it helps me refocus. And another thing is I just constantly remind myself, what's the end goal? What's the end goal? What's the end goal? You can make it through this because you're not at the end goal. And what I mean by that is the big why, like my big why. Yeah. So that helps me a lot. It is in business, you know, you have, if I have a 10-person team, you have 10 different personalities, They're not including all the clients that we handle. It's going to get stressful. Mm-hmm. Wow. I think that's, that's clear advice. And I, I never heard that, but I thought about that for my own life. Figure out the worst case scenario, plan it, and then work and continue to work so that never occurs. That's really solid advice. Okay, the next question. Who is a high achiever that you look up to and why do you look up to that high achiever? I would say Eric, Dr. Eric Thomas. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I look up to him and I think he's an achiever. You know, from a financial standpoint, I don't know his financial situation because he doesn't talk a lot about it. I know he's a successful organization, but I just like the fact that He's committed to having the best character and serve people. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, when you, when you meet people like that, it's, you know, it, it's rare. So you want to be around people who, who can walk and who they want to become. And really, that's what it is. He's just walking in who he wants to become. If you want to become a Nobel Peace Prize winner, well, then act like a Nobel Peace Prize winner right now. Mm-hmm. And so that's what he's doing. And I would encourage anybody who wants to achieve high accolades, well, what does that guy look like? What does that girl look like? Start acting like them now and, mm-hmm. and make it come to fruition. I like that. And I'll echo what you said yeah. about Dr. Thomas. That's what fully brought me in to this personal development journey with this team was just the high levels of character and integrity. You know, if you are around people who value character, who value building something brick by brick and building it to last, those traits and characteristics, they're going to rub off. And then you touched on something else. When you know who you want to become, walking who you want to become. Yeah, yeah. I want to give credit to my dad because his dad was an alcoholic. And when I was younger, he used to drink heavily and he stopped. And when he stopped, you know, he lost a lot of friends and family. I remember we used mm. to party all the time at our house. And, and he moved us around all the time to try to get us into the best schools. And, uh, you know, he overcame. Like, he still has uh, issues because of Vietnam, but, but he continues to stay the course and work hard to, to help us out. Oh, wow. Wow, wow. Yeah, so just kudos to your dad, father, Vietnam veteran. And like you said, just an in-your-face example of walking out a new legacy. And I think that's big for our listeners because at times we don't think about how our actions are affecting the next generation, you know? But if we plant those seeds today as they blossom tomorrow, I mean, you have a total transformation. Man, I love what you just said. I literally wrote that down. I love it. I'm going to start living by that. Walking (laughs) out a new legacy. Yeah, That's fantastic. I'm walking out my new legacy. I think about legacy a lot and how many trees were planted for us, for our generation, by others. Yeah, correct. Man, that's a good one. Okay. What would a close friend say about you that most people don't know? Oh, that most people don't know? Huh. Oh, I, don't, I mean, they'll, they'll tell you that I used to dance a lot. <laughs> <laughs> when I was younger, I was a dancer. So Very I used to cool. go to, uh, to parties and, and I had a dance partner and we used to dance. Yeah, we used to compete. So yeah, when I was younger, hip hop dance. Yeah, we used to hip hop. Oh wow! And yeah, yeah. So I mean, we didn't compete. Like we competed at the at the events. Like we didn't go. We didn't take it to to where there's a competition involved. But whenever there's a dance or something, we would try to get competitions going dancing. So that's something that most people don't know about me. Wow, very interesting. Very interesting. Any dancing now or? No, man, my dancing. I tried to dance the other day, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so not with <laughs> So out of rhythm. Got it, got it. All right, one of my favorite parts. And now I usually ask for a book recommendation, but, you know, if there's a video training, because I know that you have so much hours of personal development, I just, you know, want to tap into that wisdom. So if there's a book, a course maybe a set of uh, personal development uh, products that you would recommend were all ears. Yeah. I mean, books, I always start people off with when I recommend books is they have to read the magic of thinking big. Mm. You have to read that book. And uh, I mean, the title itself 
says the magic of thinking big, and I like it because it's simple. It, it, it helps you. It helps you just start thinking what what it is to think big. And and I don't mean people don't have to go say, oh, I want to be a, a billionaire. But what it just means is, hey, there's possibilities of wherever you are, you can do more. Mm-hmm. And that's the challenge. Most people don't believe. You know, like they say, what's true for the moon? And at least you hit the stars. When most people they make their goals so low and they actually hit them. You know, we don't want you to do that. We want you to hit your, make your goals higher. We want you to aim higher. And, uh, you know, big, he says in there, big, big dreamers attract big people. Wow. So when you're thinking big, you attract big people. And there's a lot of different principles in that book. You know, he just talks about listening and, uh, you know, just also learning and masterminding and just believing that you can do certain things. And uh, that's the book I always recommend to people because, you know, the statistics say that most people don't read anyways. Mm. So if you're only going to read one book, one book a year, you might as well read the best book that I would recommend because, you know, statistically speaking, what after college, most people only read uh, one book a year and 85% of them won't get past the first or second chapter. So if I know wow. that, then I know you're not going to read. But if I give you one book to read, you know, read The Magic of Thinking Big. But, um, it's an amazing book. Okay. I'll make sure that yeah, this is a book I push as well because I like your reasoning. If you're not going to read, let's go ahead and plant seeds. That's going to blossom deep change in your life. Yeah, please. I mean, I, I'm learning to, to educate more people on the value of, of reading to, to learn more. But a lot of people, just like anything, they want the end results before you start. I'm like, look, just I'm not going to teach you how to read 45 books a year. I I just want you to read one book a year first, you know, or one book a month. You know, can we get to that before we get to 10 books a year or 12 books a year? Because, you know, I met somebody the other day. She said, I'm a big reader. I've been reading since I was a kid. And she said she read 12 books last year and she's She's on, but she's doing a lot better. She's read a lot more this year. And to most people, you'd be like, wow, that's a lot. Because if you're only reading one book a year and this person read 12, you're like, wow, you're 12 times. Mm-hmm. So anybody who reads at least 50 to 60 books, which is which the average CEO reads, uh, the average PhD during their, when they're taking their courses, reads about 10 to 12 books a month. So mm-hmm. you can tell the level of thinking is going to be different if they're absorbing that much information. And what I don't want people to do, and this is what, I, what, what, what kind of frustrates me, is that you do have people that read too much and don't act. I've never done that. I've always read and used it. Immediately, I will speak to people about what I've learned. Wow. So immediate digestion and application. Yeah, you can't remember it unless you're teaching it. If you teach it, you can remember it better. Wow. Well, let me highlight something. Because I so much enjoy your humility, but I think you're up to 40 or 50 books a year or probably even more. Yeah. I mean, I I don't, I don't like to, I mean, I'll tell you uh, to date, I'm a little behind. I typically read more, but to date I've read 72 books. So this year, last year was an astronomical year for me. I read 342 books and, uh, just accomplishing that was cool to me. Uh, I read a hundred mm-hmm. books on one subject, which was negotiation. And uh, I think my humility has kind of stopped me from pushing that more. And I should, and I'm going to more because I know that it has nothing to do with, Hey, I'm, I did all this. It's man, that information I absorbed is necessary to help people around me as mm-hmm. well. I need to share it. I mean, I don't know. Am I wrong for that? Well, I'm a tag in because, you know, I've spent some time with you, met you, 
and electrifying is the word that I would use. Now, as I'm digesting over 300 books in a year, and you talked about applying it, you know, I, I feel we always challenge people towards things that doesn't change the world, you know, like maybe too many people are pushing towards being professional athletes. But if we push people to say, hey, let's get up to 50 or more books a year, the impact on our communities, our societies, you talked about how many books PhDs read a month. I never knew that number. And now I'm starting to understand the difference in just how people operate and process based on what they've had to learn. And if we can push people to learn, and if we can push people to learn at an accelerated pace, I think we start to accelerate all the positive community and personal traits that we all inspire to embody. So I think it's not only impressive, but I think what you said matters that now we can teach and share and connect and become subject matter experts in our communities. And I think that's very vital. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, that's what, I, what I'm talking about. A lot of people will read and they won't go out there and share and push the limits and help other people grow. And it's like, man, why would I read all that? And, and I'm not out here executing on a higher level with all the knowledge I have, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, shouldn't you know with all the knowledge that you should? But the challenge is, you know, if you're not an executioner by nature and you're not in that environment, you will read just to be a know-it-all. And you will affect and help the community except yourself. And, you know, we're supposed to connect. We're designed to connect to each other. And as I'm learning, you know, like, man, I have something very valuable that I can share. But I teach my guys every day. I teach my kids in the morning. I drive them to school. And if I read a new book, I'll just start talking to them about what the book says. When I get to the office, I give the guys a principle that I learned. So I'm constantly just pouring that information back into myself because I have a community to do it. But now as I go speak to these kids about literacy or adults, whoever it may be, I'm going to be able to... Uh, share more information and resources, right? So that people can go and say, oh, I want to learn about this. Well, here's a good resource from what I've read or what I've studied that can help you in that space. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. That's so exciting to me because it's so practical and you can apply it in small ways throughout all the moments of your daily habits and your life. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, this is trial and error. I discovered this on my, you know, just... <laughs> just trying you know yeah okay i think you've given us a lot to think about but if there is a parting piece of guidance for military veterans for members of the military who are continuing to serve their family members those that love and support them what would that parting piece of guidance be you know the, the i guess the parting piece of guidance is uh you know once you get out of the military Pursue whatever you want to do, or if you're in the military, you know, continue to serve your community and understand that although you may not hear it all the time, people are very thankful. I mean, I'm thankful if it wasn't for the structure that, that my father put into our lives, I wouldn't be the success I am today. So I really value 
people that go in the military and they're able to, to live structured lives. And I know that when you get out of the military, it can be hard adjusting, but there's people out there that can help you. There's people out there that believe in you. I, you know, once again, I just want to say that um, I'm honored, humbled. I, I Like I said, I didn't even know if I, I would qualify to be on this call, but I'm thankful I'm able to help whoever I can because uh, the cool thing is if, if you've made the decision to serve for X amount of time, then you can be successful in anywhere because of the structure and the discipline necessary to to make it through a four-year or three-year term. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's going to be well-received. And I thank you for being on the show because at times I think there's a disconnect where at times we look at it as two separate environments versus both environments support and uplift each other. You know, you don't serve just to serve, you serve because your communities, your families, and all the principles of our country, they matter. And I love that you talked about the discipline that was passed down as a legacy that led to your success. Thank you, thank you. All right, Matt, well, that is it. Thank you again for being on the show. Uh, thank you for your time, your wisdom, and your expertise. Oh, my pleasure, I'm excited. I'm thank excited so as well. Thank you.